my god you've been like you've been the 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 guest host that i'm like it took you like literally 14 minutes to get here (laughs) i'm so sorry no don't worry about it my phone has an update that i missed that oh that's why it's bugging because of the update yeah if you don't do them regularly like it's it's gonna die on you it's annoying yeah it's okay because actually like see that gives me some time to um to actually like do some research on the whole you know what happened with um with shireen the journalist you know in um in judea and samaria yep yeah so i hang on a second let let me let me kind of explain because i I want like you know our listeners to actually understand what we're going to be talking about so two things today on disruptive so the first one is Shireen and the situation in Israel. And the second is um, Iran's like budging revolution. So it might, it might sound like it's uh, those are two different subjects, but actually they're not really. Because it's um, in my mind, it's kind of linked, at least as, as far as the narrative is concerned, it's kind of linked and, and why we have the kind of anti Semitism that we see as a result of what happened to, um, to this journalist. In Judea and Samaria. Oh, by the way, if I hear anyone say West Bank once again, one more time, I think I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lose my mind. But yeah, so what do you make of it, Sarah? I'm like, I, the, just the fact that the PLO was unwilling to even engage in a joint investigation. Yeah. That says it all for me. I mean, not all of it, but there's supporting evidence also. Well, like, they, they've I'm lied saying, a lot. I, I don't know. Oh, I agree. They lied. I mean, like, uh, it, I, it's I, interesting because uh, I don't look. I, I'm reading this article. It's on Sky News, and they basically um, they're basically throwing the blame on Israel. But the way that they frame it is quite interesting. So they're saying basically they're using the the funeral procession. And the fact that you had a video with, uh, you know, clearly, uh, you know, idea of soldiers kind of um, running into the, the procession and, and attempting to, to make, you know, to make some arrests and things like that. And people were saying it's disrespectful, is this, is that. I get it. I get it. If you look at the video this way and you don't understand what happened, you don't understand the context, the political context of what has happened over the past few weeks in Israel and the violence. You know, you might be thinking like, you know, who are you to come and disrupt a procession, a funeral procession? I get it. I get it. Now, the part of the story that they don't tell you is that obviously in that elements within the crowd who have been identified by the Israeli authorities as either terrorists or elements within, you know, various terror groups in Israel that could be that could pose a danger to the security of the crowd and to a greater extent you know Israeli citizens so in that optic obviously obviously they will try to contain you know before something happens and now it's being portrayed an act of violence apartheid whatever you name it they've used the adjective and I don't know what I mean, needs to happen for people to actually understand that you can't take a story out of its context and pass judgment. You cannot do this. And if this, you know, the tragedy that he died is a tragedy. If that had happened in the streets of London, 
Paris, New York, wherever, I promise you that we would not be having that conversation. I don't remember when there was, and I cannot remember his name, maybe you do, when there was this Jewish um, man that was actually caught by ISIS and beheaded on live, you know, it, there was a, I think it was a feed on YouTube or it was a live video, whatever it was, he was decapitated. I don't recall people, you know, over this or starting like, you know, Twitter, like, um, you know, hashtags or whatever. There was no campaign. There was no outcry. No, of course not. But it's a Jew, so. I mean, they, they that's what they love doing. They love hiding how we're being violently attacked in the streets um, here or Israel, here in the West or Israel. They yeah. hide that. The media never covers that. But when it comes to our responses to that, it's demonized and pushed off as crimes against humanity. Yeah. I know. Do you know the thing away from her death? Life matter, and that was a tragedy, and she should not. She should not have died for sure. That said, again, context. She's you know she's a journalist covering war zones so she knew exactly that when you walked into judea and samaria especially over the past few weeks you taking a gamble with your life by stepping into this area um she was also hanging out with you know members of the plo who were disruptors who potentially were out to commit crimes and indeed they did because it's how you're shooting at the idf um and she found herself caught in the crossfire so i don't think that it's it's logical to be blaming the IDF, even if the bullet happened to be coming from an IDF soldier. The point is, they were being attacked. They responded to the attack. So it's an act of self-defense. And she got caught in the crossfire. And the last time I checked, in law, intent actually matters in terms of the sentence of whether or not someone is to be held responsible. In this case, the intent was not to kill her, but for IDF soldiers to protect their own lives. But you know what I found to be the most convincing out of everything that I've seen? Go on. I, I, did you see the video where the Palestinians were saying, this is our camp, like, stay out of it. Yeah. And then they shot and then they claimed that they hit an IDF soldier and killed him. No IDF soldier was harmed. I mean, they lie all the time. Do you know the number of times they staged you know, fake funeral where, you know, the, the no. person they claim had died didn't. The number of times that they, you know, covered up, you know, covered people up with makeup to try to argue that they had been beaten up or brutalized or victim of a bombing no, or something or other. And it, it never did. It never happened. They, like, they it's should get Pal an Oscar. It's Pollywood. No, um, it is, but it's insane though. Like, and, and people just, you know, whatever comes out of their mouth, and I'm not saying don't listen to them, but fact check, make sure that it's actually true. You know, wait for the investigation to take place. But my question is if they thought they killed somebody, and there was another video where they're saying, pick him up, pick him up, and when they turn him around, it was a her, it was a woman. So. That and the fact that they are refusing a joint investigation. I don't know. Sounds to me like they're guilty. Well, the argument is that they don't believe that the IDF is, uh, is a 
third party that they are biased and that therefore they don't trust it, which makes no sense because obviously if it's a joint investigation, then all the data will be shared and then they could, you know, have the counter narrative if they want to. At least they will have the opportunity to have a say, but they don't want to do that. But I think it, it's uh, it goes even beyond their interest in the truth because they're not interested in the truth. Let's just be honest. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, no, they, they're just looking to push their terrorist narrative um, and they don't want to collaborate with the Israelis regardless of the situation. It's just something they don't want to participate in. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think there's a lot of that. And and um, I don't know. They were also very quick to bury her body. Without, yeah. Yeah, there's that. There's that too. And this whole... I don't know. I'm, I'm just not buying... Because there's something else that bothers me. Um, and I don't want this to come a sectarian because it's on religion. It's a commentary on how... Palestinians, or at least elements within the Palestinian community, sometimes are very quick to exploit sectarianism when it's like for them. So now they came out in solidarity to her, you know, saying that she's one of us, she's one of us. Um, we tend to forget that um, Muslim Palestinians, or at least the, you know, the, the Islamist elements within that community, uh, are not particularly kind towards Christians or other denomination for that, for that matter, other faiths. And suddenly she became a Palestinian symbol because it fits their narrative right now to paint her as the victim of, uh, you know, the, the Zionist entity, the apartheid state, the enemy to be hated across the world. Um, do we get to talk about the fact that Palestinian Christians within the Muslim Palestinian community are a lot of the time oppressed and silenced and bullied and treated as if they were pariah of society? Do we get to talk about this? Or today, to, today we forgot because someone died and they could use that, you know, to, to fit and well, Israel. I think, I think we always forget that. I mean, the root of the problem is Hamas and the PLO. They don't want peace. They don't. They just want to blame everything and anything, their corruption, their exploitation, their weaponizing of Palestinian, like, suffering on us and that's but they're not even yeah but here's the thing do you know the thing that shocks me is that across the media and i've read like so much stuff you know on on the event and people are you know passing judgment and they're analyzing the situation they i mean they're saying a lot of things and some of the things they're saying are actually valid but no one had at any point you know, thought to say, hold on a second, someone died, it's a tragedy, why are you using her death and the trauma that her family, you know, went through in order to commercialize her death and turn it into some kind of a political weapon as well? Uh, for me, that's the bigger tragedy. Not only did she using her death to sell her to the media to score political points, and I'm thinking, at which point are you going to feel so sick of yourself and your reflection that you're going to stop doing this? Did you see the videos of the funeral? I did. I did. And it's... Um, it felt so fake to me. It's not just, it it's not like just it, the fakeness. It it's the like fact that... Look, they, they allow... And they knew, they, were, they, they knew what they were doing. It's, it, it's a stage. So they sent, they sent elements 
that they know are, you know, somewhere on the IDF list or Shinbait that Israel is aware that those people are dangerous elements, you know, dangerous Islamists. They send those people to the funeral, knowing that, of course, the IDF will be there to monitor the situation because there's a risk of, you know, uh, violence spilling out into the streets and endangering civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, almost calling on Israel and provoking some kind of a reaction on the part of the IDF or hoping that there would be arrests so that they could turn around again and say, look, even during a procession, they don't have the respect that we are owed. And I can understand that for someone looking at that and looking at the situation, looking at the funeral procession in the video, yes, of course, your reaction would be, how could you? I I get that. But context, context. And no one in the media is interested. You know what I've realized is that you will rarely ever see anything recorded a few minutes prior to to what's taken out of context. Of course not, because then you would have an understanding of the whole situation. A little bit before, a little bit after. We never get to see that. All you get to see is the moment of her death. It's cut out of context always. I know. I know. And I just, I just wish that people we're a bit more clocked on by now and we'd say, okay, fine. Okay. Someone died. We, we can see that. Can we have the before and after? Can we, can we, can we ask the right questions? Like, do we, do we get to talk about this before we start jumping and, you know, feeling emotional about this? Can we use rational thinking? No, no, nobody's interested because it's so easy to fall into the, you know, the comfortable seat of anti-Semitism and say, oh, it's okay. Let's just, let's drive that bus. Because, you know, we know that bus, it's comfortable. Exactly. No. And, and, and when you're trying to have like a rational conversation with someone, you got hated on. We had, I attended rooms yesterday on Clubhouse and it was complete insanity. It was oh, complete my- insanity. They were jumping, they were linking her death to a million different things, uh, not understanding that there was not, no rhyme or reason to what they were saying. And it was all about, it was just an opportunity to just feel hatred. And to push the narrative once again. They were not interested in the truth, not interested, not interested in facts, and certainly not interested in international law. Because when you tell them, hold on, if you have armed elements within a society that start targeting the authority, and you might disagree with this authority, but under the law, this is the authority. And if you start, you know, shooting at them, guess what? They have the right to to respond to that threat and actually protect their lives. Exactly. Nobody's interested. People tell you it's not relevant. How is it not relevant? Have you tried shooting, I don't know, a New, uh, a New York police officer? What do you think is going to happen? I, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I've, uh, I've literally had footage of, like, the entire context. I've shown them. And they call it Zionist propaganda. Literally. Yeah, because they can dismiss it. Uh, As soon as you use the word Zionist, that's it. You lost the conversation. Uh, In their mind, they use that word, done. Even video footage that shows exactly what happened in its full context is Zionist propaganda. Yeah, because people will read the word Zionist and and automatically have a reaction and not actually see what's going on. No, but they'll call it that. Like, even just showing them a full... Con- even in the U.S., when Jews are attacked on the streets, if you show them the full context, they'll literally still call it Zionist propaganda. 
I know. I know. But I, I want to ask you something because there's been like an outburst of violence in, I mean, across Israel. It's not just Judea and Samaria, it's, it's everywhere, Gaza. There's been threats, you know, from Hezbollah, Hamas, the PLO. I mean, you know, Iran came out with it as well just a few weeks ago. And you know, as well as I do that right now in Iran, there's a lot of protests going on, like a lot. Um, oh, so I think that thousands. as of today, as of today, every single province in Iran has revolted against the authority of the leadership, except for Tehran. Tehran is the only city that hasn't seen violence yet. Um, we received confirmation today, uh, as of two o'clock this afternoon, UK time, that Ahwaz, which is uh, the province bordering with Kuwait, has actually um, armed protesters. So that means that it's uh, it's becoming an armed revolution, at least in that province. Um, anywhere else, you know, people are unarmed, uh, at least up to now. I don't know what's going to happen later. Um, and I, I can't I can't help but think that because Iran is in such a dire situation internally in terms of its security and the fact that people are just sick of the regime to the point where they do not care what happens to them anymore um, and the violence in Israel because the you know the Islamic revolution loves to redirect the narrative they love to try to create conflict somewhere else so that maybe they would diffuse the situation inside of their borders and try to redirect people's anger towards you know the enemy aka Israel um, I don't know because it's just it's just too convenient right now. What do you think? Yeah, they're masters of deception. I mean, I feel like they create problems intentionally to be like, oh, here's our solution. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's an ideology. I don't know. No, it is. It is definitely an ideology. I mean, the the whole. I think the whole. I would say the pillar of the Islamic revolution, you know, has been anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism and, and the repression of women. A hundred percent. That's what they've been doing. And it falls within okay. the same kind of like fascist narrative that they have anyhow. Um, but I feel that because of what's happening within Iran, you kind of see, it's like a knee-jerk reaction to their problem within and then the pushing terror organizations outside of Iran who are aligned with Iran and receiving funding from Iran, trying to act out a war with Israel in order to redirect media attention away from their own problems and also to try to redirect their own people's anger by trying to say, look what's happening in, in Palestine. We need to rally around the Islamic revolutionary flag. We need to, you know, again stand together united against the great enemy um and it's not working yeah and people are waking up i mean like you said they're revolting in every every uh province was it yeah 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 like, literally I've like, seen, i have i have I've a, a list i've seen countless countless videos of oh my god yeah yeah but i've noticed something the media has said Nothing. I mean, except for like opposition um, media, like Iranian opposition media, uh, where you you know you see the video and the reporting. In terms of CNN, um, I don't know, BBC, whatever, almost nothing. I mean, it's like a footnote. No, it is. I know, and it's a foreign occupation. 
Isn't that uh, yes, interesting? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, you know, I keep saying the word revolution. It was a coup d'etat. Let's just call it what it is. Um, it has nothing to do. Iranians were not, were not really kind of, um, it's not like they were not involved. They were lied to. And it was, it was manipulated. But, exactly. I know. And, I know. And they're starting to realize because they're being so severely oppressed that their government's not on their side. <laughs> They're the they're the reason for their oppression. I know. Do you know how much is a loaf of bread right now in Iran? Just to Isn't give you like, an idea of just how desperate people are. Isn't it like seventy five dollars? Seventy five dollars. Seventy five US dollars. Who can afford that? And you know what? They have such a large population of educated people that are unemployed. I know. That has it's to not talk- just that. Even those who are employed. This is a problem with Iran. Um, I think. I mean, I might, the figure, like, you know, tend to vary depending on who you talk to. But, um, do you know, teachers and basically 70% of the people uh, in Iran who are working right now are receiving a salary directly from the state, one way or another, because, you know, it's, it's all government-owned or run. Now, salaries have not been paid regularly. That means that some people for the past six months haven't received a penny. My God. How are you supposed to feed yourself? And, and you know, in the day of, like, human rights, you know, like, you would assume that all these human rights organizations, like, and efforts that somehow, like, this would be addressed. No. No, it's not. It's not even no. mentioned. This is the problem that I have, is that when everybody's so quick to judge and, you know, jumping on the Shireen train and brand you, it is, you know, it is something that we need to talk about and we need to figure out what happened. Um, you know, her family needs justice, or at least to understand, you know, what happened. That's the least we could do for them. Um, can, you extend, can you extend that courtesy to like, everywhere else in the world and actually give Iranians a voice? Because they're dying in the street right now. Several people have been killed by the regime already. No one is concerned. And you know what? Like, they turn off their internet completely. Yeah. I yeah. Don't. And no one has a problem with that. Nobody. You don't hear, I didn't hear, like, Human Rights Watch or Amnesty International or Stop the War or I don't know who. Like, all those human rights organizations that are so quick to jump on the Let's Hate Israel train. Nothing. Not a whisper. It's it's insane. It blows my mind. Like people claim to care so much. And this isn't just like a tiny little like city-sized population. This is a giant country with millions 81 million people. Millions 81 million people. 81 million people. That's a lot yeah. of people suffering. I know it's a lot. It's several times the size of Israel. Several That's times ins- over. And There's for a- some and reason, for some reason, country. everyone wants to talk about the peanut-sized country in the Middle East called Israel. Smaller than the size of Lake Michigan, mind you. It's literally a peanut on the map. Like, it's so small, you almost can't see it. <laughs> I know, you have to look really hard. <laughs> you know, you have, to, you have to know where it is to find it. To find it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But do you know the crazy stuff? I don't know if you read my articles in the Times of Israel. I did. Um, over the past, and I, I really felt like I wanted to... I wanted to well, first of all, I did not really write it because I basically relate you know some of the things some of the conversation that um i've been having with uh people in iran and i'm talking regular people you know lawyers teachers uh doctors um housewives people who just you know just live in iran like you know their everyday life 
Um, I've received hundreds of messages on Instagram, people telling me, um, you know, can you can you get to the press? Can you talk to state representatives? Anyone like we want our voices to be heard. We want people to understand what is it that is happening in Iran, what we want and why we're doing it. And the one theme that I've, I mean, it made me happy. Uh, I, I'm, it breaks my heart to know that they're suffering the way they are because they don't deserve it. Um, but at the same time, I was so glad to see that people were so keen to let us, to let me know how they felt about Israel and the Jews. And time and time and time again, they keep telling me, we love the Jews, we love Israel, we want to be friends with Israel, we want to build bridges, we want to be at peace with you, we want to go back to a time where we were allies and we were, you know, collaborating with one another and things were good. I mean, we have a long history together of friendship. And then this regime just like totally twisted things. I know, but here's the thing. The regime actually doesn't speak for the Iranians. Exactly. And that's what I was trying to convey is that a lot of the time people think Iran is like this big lump. It's the Islamic revolution. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's Ali Khamenei, it's Ayatollah Khomeini. Like everything has been lost. No, 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 no. Iranians hate the regime so profoundly that they're willing now to go unarmed in front of tanks and, you know, sepa and actually face torture. They don't care anymore. And the one thing that, imagine in the middle of this, you know, all this chaos around you, the one thing that they wanted to tell the world is that they do not hate the Jews and that they do love Israel. I just find it, I find it so generous and humbling to know that those people are so intent on showing the world who they truly are and that they are a people with a tradition of peace. They are. That this is the message that they want to they want to give out in the middle of the violence that they're facing every single day. They're very kind people. I've I've talked to hundreds of them and they're so they're so warm and welcoming and I know. I, I was blown away, honestly, because I'm thinking of all the things that you could you could ask, of all the things that you could want to say to me this is this is the message and not just one or two hundreds of messages it's insane i agree and have you have you seen um the government sponsored protests did you know they're doing no that? no I, I haven't because i usually when i do that i usually hurl a shoe at my tv yeah so <laughs> I, I try to avoid breaking myself yeah i've seen them I've, I mean, I haven't seen them, but I've seen, like, somebody mention them. Yeah, so what did you have? Like, five people and two falafel sandwiches? Like, what was it? I don't know. It must have been the IRGC themselves out there protesting. Of course, of course. They have, look, what they usually do, you know, they have they have uh, Bastige as well. It's basically, it's a voluntary militia. Um, and usually you have very young people. So, you know, either high school students, uh, like, you know, in between 16 and 18, and then university students. And the reason why they join those militias um, is in exchange for, you know, state favors in terms of if you have it on your CV, you're most likely to, you know, to get a job as a civil servant or a teacher or whatever. Um, If you do this, maybe if you have a loan, maybe it will be, you know, forgiven. Or, you know, it's just they're looking basically to get brownie points with the regime. And they're indoctrinating young minds, basically. That's what they're doing. Because they know that if they catch you early and that you owe the Islamic Republic something, 
then it's most likely that you would become a loyal servant of and that you would continue on your career to become maybe a very loyal um, RSGC member. That's what they're doing. And those people are literally paid, or actually not paid, but asked to spy and brutalize their own. It's twisted. It's very twisted. It's heartbreaking. It is. It is because you have like literally brothers spying on, on, on brothers. You have uncles telling on, you know, their nieces and nephews. It's a, it's, it's a horrible, toxic environment. Oh, my God. And, and at the root of the problem is economic hardships. Well, if you think that, um, according to some sources, um, it was um, by a media, the, they've done a study, I think it was about a couple of years ago or something like that. Um, and they found that Ali Khamenei has, drumroll, $70 billion to his name. What? Yep. Wow. And that's just one guy. That's just one guy. And- that's wow that's yep. more than the gdp of a, a lot of countries <laughs> i know we're not talking millions of dollars billions oh my god i know it's insane it's just like he's like twice what twice over like bill gates and you know it's it's literally these people are the ones funding all the propaganda machines not only that but he's the guy that is um playing up modesty and humility and, you know, and, wi- and good moral wait, is, standing. Isn't he going to be in charge of women's rights at the UN or something? What was that? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they nominated Iran. It's a joke. It's joke. huge. It's a joke. No, no, but why not ask the Taliban to, uh, to weigh over, I don't know, women's rights across the world? Why, why don't we do that? I mean, it's the same thing going on in the U.S. right now, like taking away our 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 rights to our own reproductive care. I know it's there's a very interesting, like there's a, there's a theme running, you know, like literally across the world. There's a theme, like this kind of like leftist, you know, cultural Marxism. Let's hate on women and minorities, but pretend that we actually care about minorities and women. Um, exactly. It's very twisted. They they say one thing and they do literally the other. But it's interesting how they have so many people fooled still. Well, yeah, because they keep saying, you know, we care, we care, we care about minorities. And they find ridiculous problem to argue over. But then the big ones, those who do matter, they literally like, you know, just wipe it out. The abortion rights. I mean, I think that was sorted out like decades ago. Why are we still talking about this now? Are we going backwards? What is this? Is it like, did, did, did did someone... You know, took the wrong pill from the Matrix. What is this? A hundred percent. I don't know. I I don't. I don't. I don't get it. I do not get it. But again, like people see, people are more be. And it's not. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be busy talking about this because it's a it's an important issue. But you know, when you're talking about abortion versus a revolution in Iran, no, people are not interested in the revolution. At least, at least make equal time for it. I'm not well, saying it's not a big issue, but I feel it's a distraction. Exactly. I was just going to say, that's what I think about Russia and Ukraine right now. Like, it's a huge distraction. Yes, it's also, like, important because it's affecting a lot of parts of the world. It's affecting supply chains, like gas and stuff. But 
I also feel yes, like but do we actually what? need to have so much airtime on this when something exactly. else that is so major and that could literally, and I mean that in the most literal sense of the word, change everything, not just in the Middle East, but everywhere? Because if you, if the regime in Iran falls, it means that I'm gonna I'm gonna be conservative. Fifty percent of all terrorist organizations across the world are losing funding from one day to the next. Okay. It means that a lot of, uh, you know, in Africa, in the Middle East, in Asia, in Latin America, the network that the Islamic Republic built on the back of Hezbollah, on the back of Hamas, on the back of countless, you know, Islamist organizations, NGOs, think tanks, whatever, you name it, they have it, will literally die out in 24 hours. And you're telling me that what we're talking about right now are not distractions that have been planted? Please. I feel like, um, there, I don't know. I mean, how do you solve the poisoning of minds? Because even in the U.S., like, there's people that work for media companies and they're just, they're not ethical at all. I think the way, you, the way we do it is what we're doing right now. You just uh, offer a counter-narrative and then people, and, 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 and have, a, have a public, have engage, debate ideas and i'm not saying that everything that we're saying is absolutely right and absolutely true no but i'm saying at least consider the possibility exactly. and just go i don't know check check back, just people just read just read and then think and then decide what you want to believe but and again look i'm not saying that you know to have a discussion over abortion rights is not important of course it is um, that Ukraine doesn't matter. Of course it matters. That, you know, the death of Shirin in Palestine, you know, um, matters. Of course it does. I'm not saying that but we so do other talk about those things. Exactly. And you need to have a priority and you need to understand too that isn't it just very convenient that, you know, we are being thrown off the center of the revolution happening in Iran by issues which I feel are kind of not non-issues, but maybe not issues that you would want to discuss all the time as like prime time that maybe we need to have a better sense of priority exactly i feel like all of these issues i mean i feel like a lot of people are unable to deal with more than one issue at a time well yeah but because look in america right now everybody's busy talking about this okay so and i understand why because it's something that matters to them happening to them right now so that means that you have millions of people in America who are literally not interested in what's happening, number one, in Ukraine, and forget Iran. Forget Iran. They don't want to know right now. Nobody talks about the GCPOA. Nobody talks really about, you know, why there's so much violence in Israel right now. All they talk about is, like, the little snippet that they, like, extracted from Israel. They, and say, they honestly, look at that. They only care about spectator politics. That's why. Yeah. yeah like, that's whatever. exactly what it is. Whatever their favorite celebrities care about, you know, the usual talking points. Kind oh, of you thing. mean like Suzanne Sarandon that decided that, you know, as a Hollywood actress, she had the expertise to win on foreign politics? Like her? <laughs> like her, yes. Yeah, she, well, again, uh, and I have nothing against her. She's a great actress, but she's an actress. So maybe, just maybe, before she opens up her mouth, uh, she should understand that she doesn't, even if she has a platform, it doesn't give her the right to weigh on issues that not only do not concern her, but uh, exist far beyond her expertise. Agreed. Agreed. And, and 
you know, that's a recurring problem is these celebrities want to act like they know what they're talking about. And it's literally, yeah. you don't even the iceberg. And everybody wants to jump to conclusions just from what they see superficially. It's insane. I know, like Bella, Bella Hadid and, and her sister, Gigi. Who, by <laughs> the know, way, who, by the way, claim themselves to be Palestinians, but actually are from Jordan, which I find, again, interesting. And never set foot in Palestine, too. So I interesting mean, that you emphasize with the plight of your people. Okay, go spend a week in Gaza, come back. Especially dressing the way you dress, which, you know. No, you and doing get, what they do, and get, doing what they do. Because yeah. they would be the first in line, the first in line, should Hamas tomorrow have a proper, like, state? Should they be in charge? How long would they last in Gaza? About five minutes? The time to just go down the, you know, the, the, the runway of the airport. About that time. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. insane. And then they demonize Israel, the one that gives freedoms. I don't get it. I don't get it either, because I think that her platform would be best served you know, um, with her promoting the rights of her people to political self-determination, that would be a good talking point. And number two, women's rights. Women's rights under, under the rule of Hamas at the PLO. That would be fun to have that discussion. She would be, she would be perfect to be a spokesperson for, you know, women's rights and emancipation. It would be wonderful, but no. No, no, no. She's exactly. willing to defend. She'd, she'd rather defend Hamas, which is a terrorist organization, and actually peddle the narrative. That is and, more interesting to her. And I realize, it's dangerous. I realize that it's similar to like those pyramid schemes. Like they use charm, they use superficial beauty, they use luxurious lifestyles to sell whatever it is that they want to sell. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I realize that if a cause isn't out there making money and selling merchandise and doing XYZ, they're not going to get talked about at all. Have you noticed Unfortunately. that? Unfortunately. Yeah, but like you said, it's 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 not even uh it's not the world of news and media. I feel it's just it's uh it's a grand production like from Hollywood. Everything is staged. The information that you got, it's not even real information because it's devoid of context. And and they they're manipulating facts too. They just want to get emotions out of you because the second you start feeling angry or happy or outraged or whatever, triggered, you know, offended. You stop thinking straight and you're just you reacting to what people are feeding you. You know, I want to talk about something really fast because I've been seeing quite a few, um, I don't know, genocidal threats towards Jews. What about you? Have you been seeing that? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, look, there's been loads of, uh, you know, WhatsApp groups, Telegram groups uh, where people are posting, you know, some of the things that they're receiving in their inbox. You know, whether it's their emails directly or Instagram or Facebook, whatever it is. Um, and it's actually quite scary because, again, people feel entitled to threaten the lives of Jews across the world, saying that, you know, they should go back to the gas chambers, that they should whatever. Uh, horrible stuff. Um, but in the same breath, claiming to be defending the rights of Palestinians to exist. And I found it very interesting. It's a zero sum game in their mind. So in order for Palestinians it, to exist, we have to disappear. Not understanding that, by the way, if they were smart, being pro-Israel equates to being pro-Palestinians because it means that we, if we are safe within our borders and we don't have to fight terrorism every single day, there will be a space 
for constructive conversation about what happens next. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm saying create a space where we can have that conversation. Right now, we can't because of Hamas, because of PLO, because they hijacked the, the narrative and they're not interested, not only in peace, but the fate of their people. They do not care. And I don't know how many decades we're going to have to just talk about this stuff for people to actually understand if PLO, Fatah and Hamas were interested in the well-being of their people. Don't you think that we would see in Gaza, for example, a better living standard? Absolutely. Don't you think that we would see, for example, the rights of women or minorities, like the LGBTQ community, for example? Do you think that we would see them, you know, having access to better rights, better recognition, better representation? Yes, we would. Are we? No, we're not at all. They're being oppressed, repressed, beaten up, tortured and silenced. Explain it to me. Explain to me why you're not concentrating on those issues, but you'd rather argue that Israel doesn't have the right to protect itself against acts of terrorism within its borders. Explain it to me when you cry and paint the Eiffel Tower in all colors of the of the rainbow, when something happened in Madrid, in Berlin, wherever, and then you have outrage because it happened on Western soil and you feel the right to defend yourself against terrorism. When terror happens in Israel, we should stay quiet. I'm sorry, but no. You know, it's funny. Um, it's either um, they're winning and killing us or they're being oppressed. There's no in-between. There's no social responsibility. No, and there's no there's no sense of continuity in their, in their line of thinking. It's, uh, you know, terrorism is bad and we have to fight it, except when it happens in Israel. Exactly. No, because when terrorism happens in Israel, it's suddenly an act of liberation. Exactly my point. Yeah. Like, do, you know, do you know who says that? Terrorists? No, the Islamic Revolution. But yeah, terrorists. But the Islamic, you know, the Islamic Republic, sorry. I feel like Russians, Russia has its tentacles all over this. Uh, yes, when you see what, you know, the foreign minister just said a few weeks ago regarding, you know, Hitler alleged, um, you know, Jewishness. And when he was making the argument that... Well, not not just that. I mean, it's just a ridiculous notion. Um, but the fact that he was peddling um, a very interesting, like kind of Nazi esque, again, you know, rhetoric. He was literally playing in the playbook of Hitler. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. So you talk like the Islamic Republic. You think that the Islamic Republic. Could it be that you're the one who architected the Islamic Republic? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, they have trade deals going on between them, don't they? Of course they do. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, look, when you see that, you know, the former chief propagandist of Iran had a great friendship with Alexander Duggan, who is the chief propagandist, you know, and the architect of Putin theory on politics, you need to ask yourself, who is running the show? Who is the puppet and who is the master? Exactly. Exactly. And like, funny enough, wherever Russia has influence in Africa, in North Africa, in Latin America, in Asia, in the Middle East, who do you find right behind? Ooh, Hezbollah. Ooh, Hamas. RSGC. Explain it to me. Explain it to me. Exactly. They're literally following each other like little puppies. Or it's like, like a little duckling procession. 
And I was you know supposed I to believe that there's no there's no link there, that nothing. Oh no no no, it's a coincidence. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You know what I learned? I learned that the other day that um that they see Zionism and the state of Israel, the reestablishment of the state of Israel, as part of the script of the protocols of the elders of Zion, which, by the way, was created in Russia. Yeah, well, you know, that, that the number of times that I heard people in Iran quote that, I don't know what you want to call it, study, theory, whatever. It's not even a thing. It's, it, has, it has been debunked a million times. But they use that document as the basis for their, you know, for their belief system that, you know, Israel and the Jews and Zionism is evil. Yeah. I mean, they argue that we have a a plot to take over the world. I know. I don't understand. Because obviously, no, it's not, no, come on. It's, it's, it's just logical. 15 million people, the minority of the minority of the minority, literally like a, a, a speck on the map of the world. Um, and we ambition to run the entire universe. Of course we are. Because, you know, 15 million people, we have the manpower to do that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, of course so, we do. I mean, yeah. what's that? How many, how many, how many muscles across the world? We're outnumbered 500 to one, but yeah, we're mm. going to take over the how many how many Muslims across the world? About what? One point five two billion? Yeah, yeah. You want to talk about fifteen million Jews and tell me that we're the problem? And when have you ever heard of Jews attacking anybody? Uh, in the I don't know. Even I'm in thinking... the diaspora, even in the diaspora, when do you hear of Jews ta- attacking anybody? No, we don't have terrorist organizations. We're not trying to spread Judaism have... across the world. We're not trying to silence other religious community on the basis that they might disagree with us because we do not care. We don't. We just don't want people trying to kill us. It's that exactly. Simple. And it's we have we have operated like this for thousands of years. It's not about we're not trying to we're not trying to convince anyone. Um, that you know we have the truth and that they don't all we're asking is just to be left alone and to follow our traditions and our faith and to live among you know other people peacefully that's all that's all that it's always been the way exactly yeah well i don't recall you know uh jews trying to colonize you know any other country either exactly we haven't that's why we never had you know i think that uh in the middle east you had many great empires you had the ottoman empire you had the islamic empire you had the persian empire you had many empires never heard of a jewish one you know it's so funny i heard somebody speaking at a pro-palestine uh rally or riot or sorry protest protest and um she was saying you know greater empires have fallen you will crumble to israel i'm like empire like have you seen seen the 22 arab countries or the 57 muslim ones or the 21 christian ones or those are empires so like we 50 million people we have one tiny country the size of a peanut and we are an empire that's an interesting notion only one country in the world speaks hebrew as its primary language yeah there's only one jewish majority country in the world that's Israel. I mean, yeah, and we're an empire. Yeah. The archaeology. If we, 
here's the thing. If we're not indigenous, then why do they have to destroy our cultural sites as well? Like, it makes no sense. None of it does. No, it doesn't. But it's just, again, it's a, it's a warped logic that, they, that they're following that is based on hate. That's it. I mean, even, so even, no, you, no logic. even the funeral of Shireen, mm. did you see the videos of them, like, shooting, like, assault rifles up into the air? They do that. It's a, it's a tradition. Like even in Yemen, they do that quite often. And actually, like it's every year because you know when people get married, when they get divorced, but there were when people whatever, stand- they're always doing that. And but people were- get killed, by the way, every year exactly. because uh, you know the, it's there's something called gravity. So when the bullet goes up, it has to come down at some point. Yep, and it usually goes back down at the same ish speed. Well, it will kill you. That that's usually what happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly my point. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. were they were they were firing these assault rifles at an angle with people standing in front of them in a large crowd. Yeah, but I don't I, I don't look I don't think that they're trying to hurt anyone, but at the same time they're not very aware of like safety. But it um, just shows the carelessness. Right? Like they might not have even intended to kill that journalist, but like the carelessness. Because well, they know the end of the day they're just going to point fingers at israel and say oh it was israel but they don't really care i mean the number of time that they actually have used civilians as human shields the number of time that they have forced for example um civilians who were told by idf that a certain area was going to be bombed and that it would be safer for them to evacuate um you know hamas preventing people to evacuate because in their mind the more casualties the better so that you could hey, you know, you have know five what? minutes in front of the camera. We don't talk about those things. But those are facts, by the way. And I would invite listeners to actually check check it. Do not take what we're saying for granted. Go check it. Those are facts. Yep. yep. And you know what? They, they do that all the time. Not only do they not wear military uniforms intentionally during times of conflict, so that they can, if they do get killed, they can claim, oh, it was civilians. Yeah. But they also, they also, um, set up their weapon bases in hospitals, in schools, in mm-hmm. civilian homes. And mm-hmm. like you said, like they don't allow them to leave and evacuate, despite the fact that Israel sends thousands of flyers warning, hey, mm-hmm. there's going to be conflict here at this time on this date. Oh, and Please by the way, area. the only military in the world to do that is the IDF. Yep. But not only do they do that, and they, they call use, too. Not only do they, they send flyers, yeah, they, they call. Calls. They make they call. phone calls. To the have civilians. you ever heard? Have you ever heard of the the U.S. Army, like in Iraq, for example, in Afghanistan, calling up you know people, saying, no. "Hey, you know, you might want to leave the area because we we about to bomb you." Because it would be counterproductive if you're trying to catch people or you're trying to, I don't know disrupt a terror network it's not the best thing to do to just give them a heads up um but the idf is doing it because their priority is to save civilian lives exactly yeah and we don't get to talk about this ever because if you do you're a zionist do the things that hamas does are like they they commit a lot of war crimes Seriously. Well, I would I would go as far as saying that those are crimes against humanity. When you Agreed. are willing to sacrifice your own people for the sake of political gain, there's something wrong with you. And if you care so much about Palestinians, then why 
are you paying them to risk their lives and their freedom for killing Jews? Pay for slay. If you care about them so much, why would you encourage them to risk their lives or their freedom or their safety? But this is where it gets interesting because um, Hamas is not the only terrorist organization doing that. So this model of behavior is actually being replicated across the region. So I'll give you an example. Um, the Houthis in Yemen versus Saudi Arabia. The number of times that Saudi Arabia has been accused of war crimes and crimes against humanity by Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch and other rights organizations. On the basis that, for example, Saudi Arabia targeted a hospital, Saudi Arabia targeted uh, a warehouse, Saudi Arabia targeted, you know, uh, water um, infrastructures, things like that, or um, a funeral home, or a school, or whatever. And people obviously have, you know, cried outrage, saying that you cannot do this, it's a violation of the Geneva Convention, blah, 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 blah. Which is true, I agree. Yeah, you can't do this. You can't go around like maiming civilians. Um, that right. said, that said, a lot of the time what we don't hear about is that the Houthis, like Hamas, like Fatah, like PLO, like Hezbollah, are actually using those infrastructures, those areas, those places, those buildings to actually stash weapons, to hide, you know, their terrorist elements within those those areas, knowing knowing that Saudi Arabia would be forced to hit them. And that by doing so, they would create mass casualties and that the world would turn around, blame Saudi Arabia and side with them. Of course. That's the same thing they do to us. Mm. And guess who do they have in common? All those terrorist organizations and groups. The Islamic Republic of Iran. Of course. And guess who else? Russia. Of course. I'm telling you, Russia is a terrorist state itself. Well, I'm just saying that there's been like this modus operandi that is, at, that is at play and we're not connecting the dots because we imagine that what happens in Palestine and in Israel is divorced from, you know, what is happening in Yemen or what is happening in Iraq or what is happening in Iran or what is happening in Afghanistan. It's not. It's not. There are patterns that we need to recognize, you know, and, and to try to understand, okay, so if we found patterns... Could we take it a step further and actually ask ourselves, who is doing this? Where is this coming from? Is there a narrative that we know that is somewhat, you know, connecting those dots? And is there an, a foreign interest in creating chaos in those regions of the world by using the same modus operandi? Can we think about this for two seconds? Can we at least ask the question? Forget the answer. Ask the question. It's true. I mean, it's it's all Russia. It's got Russia written all over it, doesn't it? Well, it's definitely like something that is coming out of a Soviet playbook. And I'm not saying that, you know, Russia is a communist country because it's not per se. What I'm saying is, is the language, the ideology, the desire to conquer other land is still there. You know, I've even heard Russians trying to use the same talking points that we do. To try to just like, oh, have you heard of self-determination and like stuff like that? Like, oh, yeah, they love to talk about self-determination when it's against Ukraine, for example. Exactly my point. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, they're really good at talking. Yeah, but they, again, they're using the same language. They took a well, actually, I don't know. I'm guessing they they wrote the playbook. Um, the Palestinians, at least when I say Palestinians, I mean Hamas, PLO, Fatah, are using. Do you know those words, political self-determination, liberation, anti-decolonization or anti-colonialism, anti-imperialism. Those words that Moscow loves, you know, they love to use those words. Um, Which I, are being I just repeated those, again and again and again. I appreciate those values, but the problem oh, me is that too. Not, me too, they don't but don't get it twisted. But they're don't get masks. it twisted. They're masks. Of, exactly. So they're oh, using okay. those values, they're twisting it, and they're using that against us. They're using our own values against us. That's the yeah. Well, it's not yet. Hang on. It's not even just that. What they're doing is is basically giving those words new meanings. So when they talk about anti-imperialism, really, what they're saying it's a euphemism for um, you know, anti-West or anti-Jew. No, yeah, it's it's true. It is, and I've 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 been reading a little bit about the Soviet. Uh, Soviet Union historically with anti-Semitism and there's been a lot of like mixing Nazi ideologies and communist ideologies and white nationalism in general and mm -hmm. it's I feel like it's commu-Nazi now well look you know one of the other things too that we don't talk about I think enough is when when people are denouncing Nazi Germany obviously you want to do that um, they're also forgetting to add, you know, Soviet Russia to that to that denunciation because they committed a lot of crimes against the Jews, not just the Jews, um, but a lot. There was a lot of anti-Semitism in in Soviet they, Russia. They and I think that Hitler third. just took the limelight, but they were not exactly like you know choir boys. They raped one third of Jewish women during the same time the Holocaust was happening, and they killed one hundred fifty thousand Jews. Well, in pogrom, yeah, yeah, and it's the and same. It's, yeah, it is, it it's, is. But I think, I think because I think the Soviet committed so many war crimes and and acts of genocide that um, people just forgot to kind of look at the the breakdown of it all, thinking millions of people died, um, you know, under oppression in the gulags or starvation because of state policies. Um, and, and I think that they were thinking it's so horrible that we don't even want to look into it and try to figure out if there was some kind of a systematic, um, desire behind it. If, if, if the intention was to eradicate the Jews or just to, just to kill anyone who disagreed. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was, if it was just anti-Semitism or just a desire to kill any form of dissent. And historically, the Jews tend to be speaking in, in favor of, you know, human rights and political self-determination and things like that. So I don't know well, whether it's target, purely anti-Semitic or just the fact that because the Jews are naturally more outspoken um, and there was a lot of brilliant intellectuals at the time. Um, I don't know if it... it they were targeted because of their Jewishness or because they were just thinkers at the time and they were trying to advance the conversation socially. I don't know. I don't know either. I just know that they're fascists and that... Oh, that's for sure. They need to be dismantled because... Well, it's first of all, I'd like people to wake up to it. That would be, that I... would be step number one. And then denunciation comes after, but at least wake up to it.
the problem is that people don't know that even Russian communism is racist. Like, why are you? Well, because your- first of all, look, think about it. People think that um, you know Soviet Russia got dismantled and therefore communism doesn't exist anymore. They think it's dead. So they don't want to talk about it because they're like, oh, it's an old issue. Uh, not really. It's actually quite relevant, except now it has a new face. Exactly. And you can tell it's the Russian strain of communism because there's just so much anti-Semitism in it. Yeah, there's been some there's cute for brown There's an assess- obsession with Israel. There's an obsession with Jews. It's insane. I mean, you can literally tell it's Russian flavor of communism. And yeah, if is. you look at the world right now, a lot of the problems, like Russia is the root of a lot of them. Unfortunately. Yeah, and they still, do you know, they're still not calling the, the war in Ukraine a war. They're saying it's a military exercise. <laughs> no, no, I know. It's, it's insane. It's insane. But like they keep a straight face while saying it. <laughs> I'm telling you, they, I mean, how do people not, I don't understand. How can you oppose Russia, but then be on the same side as the terrorists that they're funding and supporting? I don't know. Because again, no, I do know is they haven't connected the dots. They think that what's happening in Ukraine is divorced from what is happening everywhere else. They don't understand, for example, and, I, and I've been saying this like so many times, I think I'm going to turn blue in the face. When, what happened in Ukraine, is is not is not a surprise to me because basically what has happened for the past decades has been an erosion of nations' um, sovereign rights in the sense that it's so it's it has become almost okay for foreign powers to come and challenge another country's sovereignty and um, that country's right to defend its border however it sees fit, and so it happened with Israel. People keep challenging that notion that Israel doesn't have the right to defend itself the way it sees fit, that it can be challenged within its borders, that people have a right to argue borders. They have the right to argue how a a nation should conduct its affairs, its internal affairs. And you can see this in Ukraine. Because the reason why Russia had enough of of a space in the public discourse to be able to challenge Ukraine's national sovereignty and actually decide that two of its provinces will now become Russian um, tells you that there was maybe a greater agenda that they were trying to set almost a legal precedent, at least in people's mind, to then be able to sell the narrative and say we have legitimacy. That this is this is um, this is open for negotiation. No, borders are not open for negotiation. A nation's sovereignty is not open for negotiation. No, political self determination is not open for negotiation. No, it's not. And it's funny because you do you realize, you know, you remember how Putin said he wants to denazify Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, right? he, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, you know, he, he, what, what, what is it that he wanted to do in Crimea? Liberate them from from what? He wanted to liberate them too. So Crimea has been liberated. It's liberation, not Russian. Liberation fronts are like literally created by the KGB to justify terrorism. Not even joking. Yeah. And to no, it's like it's, he, he literally it's it's colonialism. He just decided that he wanted to add a piece of real estate to uh, to Russia, and he went up. Oh, I'm liberating country. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. We call it that now. 
It's not called colonialism anymore. It's called liberation. Interesting notion. Yeah, it only became colonialism, like, when it comes to Jews getting their freedom finally. Obviously. You know, obviously, I've heard people, I've heard people straight up in Clubhouse saying that they want to, that the Israelis are colonizing Jerusalem. And I didn't know whether I wanted to cry or laugh. I I wasn't quite sure. Both. (laughs) No, seriously. Seriously. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The Jews, the Jews are colonizing Jerusalem. And I want Judea someone to I want someone to look it up in history. Explain to me what are you talking about? Where was the first mention of Jerusalem? Hmm. I don't know. I have I have no idea. It, it's uh, it's very it's very blurry. It, it, it is as if suddenly I was going to say that um, Rome were colonized by the Romans. Yeah, they've colonized. Same, same stupidity. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly that. No, it's exactly. How do you colonize your own indigenous land? Like, that makes no sense. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but someone needs to explain it to me. They See, the thing is, Russia is rebranding fascism. They're, they're calling Jews Nazis now, when the central core ideology of Nazism yeah, but that is that is twi- that is twisted because it's um... that's what he meant by he wants to denazify Ukraine. No, you I get that. that. I get you that, see? and that's why that's why the foreign minister went and started peddling this idea that actually, oh, Hitler was a Jew. Yeah, they're trying to brand us as the Nazis now. I know because, because look, he has he has a PR problem right now with Zelensky because he he is 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 president of Ukraine and he happens to be a Jew. So that's a problem. There's a, there's an angle, there's an image problem there. Um, so okay, so let's try to say that you know because if you if you go and say, well, Ukraine is 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 Nazi, well, people will argue. Well, hold on a second. I mean, how can they be Nazi if their president is Jewish? Like, how is that working for you? It's not working, okay? Because obviously, I'm not saying that they don't have neo-Nazi element within society. Yes, they do. Now, is it the the norm? Is it the majority? No, no, it's not. Okay. So if you now take, you know, take it a step further and say, but, you know, Nazi, the, the Nazis and the Jew are actually the same thing. And rather than have the Nazi, you know, trying to genocide the Jews, really, it was the Jews doing it to themselves. Then you can sell it as a denazification of, you know, the of Ukraine, because then people will associate the word Jew with Nazis saying, oh, actually, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they hated themselves so much, they literally created, you know, gas chambers and woke themselves into it. Because that makes sense. Are you still there? Sarah? Oh, hello? Hello? Yeah, yeah, we lost you for a second. Oh, oh, oh my bad. Um... They keep, you know, and I, I'm starting to hear that too, though, that like we funded the Holocaust and that we did it just to exploit it so that we could get our own country and yeah. blah, blah, blah. They're, they're yeah. rebranding Jews as Nazis, which is fucking insane. Um, and, and they're doing it. The Palestinians are doing the same thing. Well, yeah, because again, it's coming out of the same playbook. Exactly. I mean, it's evidence. It's the that, same like, thing repeated. 
over and over again. But the problem is, you know, when you keep saying something over and over again and people, there's no counter narrative to that, people start, you know, thinking like, oh, it's normal. And then after they go, oh, it's the truth. Like the whole reason that people know that Nazis are bad are because of us, what they did to us. Well, I think it, w- it would be very difficult to ignore it. Even if they wanted to, I, I think that it's it was so horrendous that it's difficult to rationalize any of it. I mean, but the thing is that people keep parroting this. Well, yeah, they do because again, they don't see, they don't think that there's a direct connection to that. They don't understand. Look, the number of times I'm sure, like like, like me, you've heard it when um, people in the Middle East, it doesn't matter where they come from you know, will straight up argue with you and say that the Jew- Jewish community in Iraq, in Libya, in Tunisia, Morocco, wherever, we're actually like, you know, living very happily together with their Arab neighbors. And and when they say this, I, I want to cry because my grandparents were in camps in Tunisia. It wasn't fun. Yeah. People have been, have been genocide in Libya. Um, Jews in Algeria, you know, were threatened with, with again, acts of genocide. Um, Jews were killed in Iraq. And and nobody mentions the fact that, like, a lot of these countries would send their Jews to the concentration camps in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not mentioned. But, you know, they didn't wait for Hitler to do it, by the way. They've oh, been know. doing it. They've been doing it on a regular basis, you know, for hundreds and thousands of years. But obviously, oh, I know. I... because they didn't have the the industry that Hitler set up, it was never to that scale. But the intent was the same. The intent is the same now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, I don't know, I just find it very interesting how people are not only willing to rewrite history, um, but to excuse their racism and anti-Semitism and, and call it something else and say that those are acts of liberation. No, no, they're not. They're acts of hatred. They're 100% acts of hatred. Yeah. It, it, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I feel like the reason Russia is invading Ukraine to begin with is because Zelensky being Jewish. No, I think they wanted to invade Ukraine a long time ago. I just, I just think that um, they felt it was time, and I think it has a lot to do with the the way that NATO was moving. Um, I don't know. Sense. I don't know. Yeah. I think that the war in Syria too uh, kind of precipitated precipitated that because Russia is not getting what it wants there. Um, there's the war in Yemen too that is taking a lot longer. There's a lot of things going on, I think. So, but the thing is, politically, we... they kind of had to. I feel in their from their perspective, at least, they feel like they had to to move now because they were losing ground um, in Europe. Like more and more Eastern, you know, former Soviet countries were actually moving um, towards the EU, towards NATO, and they were losing the um, they were losing ground there in terms of the hold that they had over those countries. You know, we got we need to stop it at the root, though. And at the root, it's Russia, right? Well, like these problems. Well, it is, but when you have uh, the kind of Russian a- agenda that has infiltrated uh, not only EU countries and and the UK, but also America, um, it's a bit more difficult to do. I think we're like a decade late, honestly. Yeah, I mean, we've been distracted with so many other things. 
Well, yeah. Yeah. Like people are just now waking up and it's like, we're already like past the point. Think think about it. Do you remember when Trump was literally attacked right left and center over, you know, the alleged like colluding that he had with Russia and whatever. Um, But Biden, for example, trying to revive the GCP, considering offering Iran everything that it wants on a platter, regardless of the fact that it was that obviously the Islamic Republic has military, wants to develop a, a military nuclear program that it's not, it's not like a, a civilian program like they claimed, that even one of the chief negotiators and several state officials came out with it and straight up told the press, yeah, you want to develop a nuclear weapon. For some reason, people just, they're, they're like, they just stop listening when they say that. When someone tells you something like that, please listen. They're telling you. They are telling you. The mayor of Tehran just came out with it just a few weeks ago. It's Straight up. Some... To all the press, yes, we are running a military nuclear program. Of course we want to have the bomb. And Biden has no issue saying, yeah, 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 we're going to do the GCPOA. I don't understand it. I did read that it. So you, out. yeah, no, but you threw a tantrum over Trump's alleged collusion with with Russia, which was bullshit. It was proven. Nobody was interested in in facts, by the way. But when Biden is literally peddling a Russian agenda, trying to revive the GCPOA, trying to hand over the key of the kingdom to the Islamic Republic of Iran, the biggest sponsor of terrorism across the world. No one is connecting the dot or even challenging the intent behind it and saying, hold on, are you serving Americans' interests or someone else's interests? No one asked the question. Explain to me. If you're willing to challenge Trump, then you have to, you have to at least be willing to challenge, to challenge Biden as well and ask the same question. But they're not. They, oh my God, this is so dangerous too. Like the JCPOA will unlock like $90 billion in, in sanction yeah. relief, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's between 70 and 90. I'm not, I, I mean, the figure very depends who you talk to again, but it's the Islamic Republic. So it's hard to say, but uh, yeah. Khomeini yeah, yeah. is 70 billion right now. Is yeah, in assets. It's insane. It's insane. That's, oh my God. Goodness gracious. No, and by the way, by doing so, not only are you giving criminals a lot of money to play with, but you're actually setting back Iranians' hope for, you know, a secular democracy 10 years back, if not more. So in my mind, to argue this is a crime against humanity. It's a crime against the Iranian people. They do not deserve to live another decade or even a second under that regime. I don't want them. Yeah, I don't want them under it now. Shit. Like, I mean. No, look, people, here's the thing. Like, why? Videos are coming up. People are getting shot in the streets like dogs. Nobody's talking about those deaths. Why are we not giving weapons to the people of Iran? I don't know. It's 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 a complicated it's, it's geopolitics. I'm not even sure that it would be a good idea because ultimately you don't want foreign powers to meddle within you know, um, the affair of a state like that. People have a right to to yeah. decide how how they're going to, you know, do their, their revolution and, and what's going to happen. It's their country. You can't, 
you can't breach national yeah. sovereignty. You can't do it. Um, yeah. And look, it's not like I don't want to help them. If I could, if I had a magic wand, I would make it happen today. Um, but you can't, you have to be careful because sometimes, even if you have the best of intentions, you're gonna, you're gonna get people with things that yeah and it doesn't it doesn't really concern us in the sense that they need to own their revolution they need to decide what's going to happen and the second you get involved you're going to muddy the waters you might actually do a lot more harm than good it's true Um, yeah it gets it gets complicated and again look you can't ask for example a country like because they've asked me the question why can't israel come and help us israel is a very very small country I mean, mm-hmm. the U.S. should. I mean, the U.S. Well, should be like... yeah, but look, whenever the U.S. you know tried to intervene, look, Afghanistan, it, it, it was it was horrible. Iraq, uh, you know, one million people, one million civilians died as a direct result of U.S. intervention. It's complicated. It's complicated, and you can't look when once you start a war, you get involved in a foreign country, you don't know how it's going to end. It's almost impossible to predict. I know. So sometimes I mean, it's better to about kind of sit this one out and just let them do it. But what we should do, and we're not doing, is to support them in the media and to actually allow them again to have platforms on media to come and speak out their truth and tell us what's going on in their country. Uh, and, and for us to apply maximum pressure on, on the regime to try to precipitate that revolution and actually enable the people and make them feel, you know, we're not... We can't arm you. We can't come into your country to help you. But we're doing everything that we can within the the, the limit of international law to enable you. That we should do. But we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Look, we have sanctioned the crap out of Russia. Why can't we sanction the crap out of uh, of Iran? Why can't we do that? And I'm not talking the people. I'm talking targeted sanctions. Why can't we do that? Yeah. Yeah, taking their assets. Everything. Everything. Just take and it away. It, take it away. Of- put it put it under lock and key and, and once once the revolution is over, give it back to the people and let them do whatever they want with it. Exactly. It's theirs ultimately. Exactly. Yeah, but we're not doing it. My God, seventy billion. I can't get that number out of my head. And uh, look, this is what we know. This is what we know of. I mean you I don't even want to think about what we don't know. I mean, look, uh, Ali Khamenei has, you know, to his name, to his name, seventy seventy billion dollars. That's to his name. That's oh my. God. That's a lot of money. That's, that's a lot of money. Is- when you think that the the um, a piece of bread is now worth seventy five dollars, yeah, yeah, I wonder why. They siphoned all all the resources in Iran for themselves. There's like there's a massive like our um, IRGC monopoly in Iran. It's it's these people can't I've, even afford to feed themselves, dude. No, how can you? Seventy five dollars. How are you supposed to feed anyone? And and look, salaries in Iran are about what two hundred, three hundred dollars a month. Dude, we should start an organization here. Well, you're in the UK, but. I should start an organization where there's like humanitarian aid for them, but make sure it gets into the hands of the people. Cause I know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like 
they don't they don't need it technically. Everything is already in Iran. Iran is a huge country. They have agriculture. That, I mean, they have natural resources. They have oodles of oil. Um, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be begging for anything. They shouldn't need anything. And the only reason why they don't have is because the state requisitioned everything. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm. I mean, the next step for Iran would be like to getting getting the military on their side, right? It's complicated. It's complicated because you have um, there's this two speed system in Iran where you have the RSGC that operates the state within the state, and they literally emasculated the the army. Artesh, it's it's been emasculated. They don't have weapons, or the weapons they have are like thirty years old, and it's just shit, and it doesn't work. Um, and they don't really have power. And you would you would need to um, you would need to see like a, a lot of defection, and for people for the for the military to decide. Well, yeah, we're gonna side with the people. If this happens, it's over. It's done. Regime is gone. Once the but military, are they, are they gonna do that? I don't know. Oh, jeez. Wait, but, so- I mean, look, it might, it might. Look, you know, Egypt happened in 2011. It is possible. Libya happened. I, I, I mean, we've we've seen regime like you know fall uh, over the past what decade. So it is possible, but and it, look, it's gonna happen ultimately. It's just I'm hoping that this time is the right one. But I, 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 I don't know. I think so. I think the timing is right, and the fact that people can't fit themselves and that the fear factor has been broken. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful too. I mean, yeah. I keep seeing all these videos of revolution, like uprising after uprising after uprising. It's crazy. I've seen the video too. I mean, and people are literally like walking in front of bullets. Um, they don't care. When they you get to the point where you're oppressed so badly that you don't care if you die. That's, that's what people were telling me. I, I was having this conversation with this guy on Instagram. He was telling me, I don't even care what happens to me anymore. I don't care if I'm, what is it that he said? I don't care if I'm arrested. I don't care if I'm tortured. I don't care if they kill me. That's heartbreaking. I've heard some of them say it as well. They've said it mm-hmm. to me. But yeah. they have- we, we've heard it on Clubhouse. We've heard it so many times, but people, the media, just not listening. When you have a people to tell you, you know, telling you that they don't care if they if they live or die, that they are so fed up with the situation that, you know, they're willing to risk their lives to change the regime, knowing that they don't have weapons. So they are literally walking naked into a gunfight. And it's sad because, like, you would think that the media would cover this stuff knowing that, like... No, hey, not even no, one. But, like, even for our own interests, like, just to say, hey, that's a warning sign. This is how it's going to play out if this happens here. Nothing. It's not on CNN, it's not on Fox News, it's not on Newsmax, it's not on the BBC, it's not anywhere. And I don't, I don't understand it. Even, even Israeli media, it's, it's, um, you have footnotes. It's mentioned here and there, a little bit. Very but you rare. don't have, you don't have analysis, you don't have big op-eds, you don't, you don't have, it's, it's almost non-existent. And I'm not, I'm not blaming Israel because obviously Israel has, you know, other uh, fish to fry right now. But it's such a significant event that how can you not give it space? 
if anything, again, out of courtesy for the Iranian people who are literally suffering. 80 million people? Yeah. How do you just ignore that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't have an explanation for that. And I don't even know what to tell people because they keep asking me the same question. Why is the world ignoring us? And I don't have an answer to that. Not a nice one anyway. It breaks my heart, dude. It is. They feel I mean uh, I don't know. I think it's just it's um it's so sad because even if people know that you can't help them and you can't alleviate their pain, at least you, you, you need to validate their suffering in, in talking about it and saying, yes, it is true. Yes, it's happening. Yes, we understand you. Yes, we see you. And yes, we're with you. Our hearts are with you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. And I'm just hoping that people will wake up and that maybe for once, social media will actually detect the tone in a positive way and take over. I feel like we need to start educating celebrities about this shit because they keep using their platforms for harmful shit. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't I don't hear Suzanne Sarandon like, you know, uh crying for Iranians. She doesn't give a shit. She doesn't give a shit, but she she cares about, you know, commenting on things that um she can't understand. That she cares about. Well, if you can't blame Jews, then there's no Oh, there's no Yeah, there's no agenda. There's no It's not interesting. It's not a moneymaker. I mean, you won't get the clicks, you won't get the likes, you won't get the followers. No. No. And for, by the way, for a community that controls the media, it's just so funny how, uh, you know, people who work in the media are not are not afraid of offending us. I just love that. Because if you're running the show truly, um, you would get fired. Yeah. You would get deplatformed. But If we were truly running the media, things like this would be much more made aware of. Oh, I'm telling you, if I if I if I was to run that show, if I was in charge of the you know the the well you know Jewish media, uh, and Suzanne Sarandon comes out and says something like that, you don't, you don't get yeah. to work ever again. Exactly. But she's still she's still on Twitter and she's still saying what she's saying and she's still working and she's still famous and she's still rich. <laughs> and you know what? It's funny because yesterday I saw I think it was Bella Hadid. She uh, put on her story that. Israeli forces uh, killed. Um, what was her name? Shireen, the 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 journalist. Um, I don't know her name, Shireen. But um, and then you go to the post, and no comments are allowed. Interesting. No, obviously not. Obviously not. Of course no, because, not. Again, she's not interested. She's we not would... interested in having a dialogue with people. She's interested in being. Um, Again, creating some kind of an emotional reaction in people uh, and just leaving it at that. So it's not even responsible. Because, look, you have the right to say whatever you want to say. But allow me to respond. Exactly. No, exactly. That's what I mean. I don't think cancel culture is, like, necessary. I mean, it. I guess it depends. If you know what you're look, doing intentionally. Do, this is how. I, this is where I said on, on, on free speech. It's necessary. Okay. So now, I don't think there needs now, to be dialogue. I think there needs to be more dialogue. Oh yeah, look, even idiots have a right to their opinion. I don't. I, you want to say stupid shit on social media? That's fine. Go go and say it. However, if we're talking about hate speech and enticing violence, no. Exactly. That's, that is a crime. That is a crime, and we need to be very clear on that. 
And I don't care who they're targeting. It could be the Jewish community. It could be anyone. I would Anybody. say the same thing. Exactly. But free speech, absolutely. You want to make a joke? Make a joke. You want to say you want to say that you believe that the earth is flat? Say it. You even even I'm gonna go as far as saying you want to say that the Holocaust didn't happen. You want to you want to look like a like a dumb like an idiot like a dodo in front of the world. Fine, go and say it. Exactly. Dude. But 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 if you put this if you put this kind of narrative within the context of terror and you try to use that to promote a genocide against the Jews, then I'm coming after you. Exactly. And no, you don't have a right to speak. Exactly. When yeah. you're intentionally spreading misinformation yes in the context of enticing for violence inciting violence i will come after you and i will and i will prosecute you i'm not going to cancel you i'm going to prosecute you so you could say all this shit from a jail cell exactly but i also believe i also believe in a path to redemption if you're willing to educate yourself and you're willing to learn and listen and you yeah, know, those people, maybe those people need to play, to take history classes. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Look, I mean, th- th- this is like, this is a whole other conversation. But yeah, absolutely. I don't believe that, you know, you you, you don't lock people away and throw away the key. Of course not. That's not even a solution. Um, but as long as you're peddling that kind of narrative and violence, yeah, I'm going to take you out of society for a minute and, you know, you're going to have a time out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's true for everything. I mean, whether we, we, you know, people are calling, for example, um, you know, for violence against the LGBTQ community, whether it's against, you know, um, you know, uh, ethnic minorities. I don't care. I do not care. We should have the same stance on everything. We should be consistent. Exactly. But sadly enough. There's so many double standards, though, that. Oh, it's just not even double standard. People have their pet projects. And it's just, it's just, it's almost like a fashion thing. It's just like, you know, when people were carrying like little dogs to the Oscars or whatever, and it was, it was trendy. I feel like people do that now. I think they, they have like, you know, trendy politics or little pet projects that they want to promote because it looks cool right now to have a cool hashtag and, you know, to be an influencer. And to that's be like, what I uh, mean. That's what I mean. People are only interested in spectator politics, whatever yeah. their celebrities are raising awareness of. That's what matters. I know. I know. They had the Me Too movement and then they they, 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 they moved on to something else and then but they're not even interested in um manifesting true change by tackling issues consistently. So when you talk about racism, make sure that you talk about all kinds of racism, not just the one that is convenient for you. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree with you. On that note, my lovely, I think we're going to need to go because our listeners are going to get bored and literally fall asleep listening to us. Um, But definitely to be continued. Yes. I'd love to talk more about uh, exactly how they're using the media to manipulate things in the future. Oh, well, there you go. That's the next subject. It's insane. I mean, they use so many tactics. Yes. I know. So let, let's let's reconvene next week and talk about that. Okay. Okay, cool. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening.